Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Let us pray. Cleanse my heart and mind with your word. Clear my thoughts and understanding with your greatness and love. And command and guide my life with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you got a good listening to Joshua 10 a few minutes ago, and if we are devout Christians, followers of Jesus, ambassadors of Christ, witnesses to other people, and they come here to this church today for the first time, and they hear Joshua 10. What are they thinking? Why would I want to go to this church when all that killing is going on? Well, there's an answer, of course, and we'll, we'll work our way into it. But Joshua 10 is a very important chapter in the book of Joshua, and it's, uh, it's important that we understand actually what happened before that particular event. So I'll have to talk about John, 1 John's uh, epistle first, just to help with the context. Uh, and so... When Chris read uh, 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, it starts out by saying, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is from God. Later on, he says a couple of times, God is love. It's from God. It is God. And, of course, John goes through the relationships there. If if you do not truly love God, if you've never really had an encounter with God, um, and you know who God isn't, then how can you say you love God and uh, hate your brother? That sort of thing. But in 18, in verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love. In other words, if we truly love God, if we truly know God, we know who love is. Not what love is, but who love is. And so that should have an effect uh, on us. And I would ask you to keep that uh, thought lingering in your your mind as we go through what is happening in, in Joshua. I need to go back a couple of chapters, however. I need to go back to Joshua chapter 5, beginning in the 13th verse. Listen to this. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man said, No. That doesn't make sense. Are you for us or are you for our answer? No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, 
I have come. And what did Joshua do? Joshua fell on his knees. He hit the dirt. He knew something. He worshipped him and said to him, What else do you want to command me? And he said, Take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. This is a mystery man. Didn't say it was an angel. Just said a man. Ready for battle. Let me continue. Just for a little bit of verse of chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You'll march around the city. And all the men of war going around the city once, thus still you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, walking in front of the ark, ark of the covenant. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with one great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down. And the people shall go up, everyone straight therein, meaning the Israelites. And the walls come tumbling down. We know it by the song. Now, this is God's action. It could have been an earthquake. Who knows? But get a picture of what Jericho was like. Jericho was fortified. It was a high wall built all around it. All of the citizens were inside. Remember what it said first at the beginning here of chapter 5. Jericho is standing there looking at Jericho. And what must he be thinking? Well, he's probably thinking of what happened 40 years prior. 40 years prior, he was standing in virtually the same spot. They've just recently come out of Egypt. They went up the Sinai and landed on the east side of the Jordan. But you know the story of Israel. They had their own idols. They couldn't, they couldn't wait. It took, it took them, they could have taken them two weeks just to walk that distance. But it was there 40 years. And 40 years was because they had sinned. And so in the book of Numbers, we have really a census. There were so many at the beginning who came out from Egypt. But they sinned. They had idols. They were thinking about themselves. They made something with their hands. They worshipped something with their hands. And so he made sure that that generation would not enter the promised land. But even prior to that, we need to know that the Israelites were in what is called the promised land years before. But there was this great famine. And the famine forced them to go to Egypt. And Jacob's son, Joseph, was like the number two guy. He was in charge of logistics and food and 
So he saved his family. That's another story, episode, I should say. The whole Bible is one story. So what happened there was that they were saved in Egypt. But as time went by and they got a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, all these uh, Israelites became slaves. So they were slaves for centuries. Their home was Canaan. But they've been enslaved. It's been occupied by other peoples. But God used Moses to lead them out and to come up to Sinai and get up to the River Jordan. That's the long story of it. The historical part of it. So what, what, is that, what is he supposed to do? Well, it's really kind of an easy thing. But he's standing there, uh, Joshua, is standing there. This is the second time around. One generation has died out. They'll never see the promised land. He's part of that second generation. And he was one of two spies, uh, uh, ten spies, in the original spying out of Jericho 40 years prior. But now, he and Caleb were the only two left from that original group. They all died away. They tried a battle. It didn't, didn't work because God was not with them. Is God with them this time? I think so. But you have to follow God's rule. You've got to follow God, not try to imitate God. So Joshua is probably thinking about all that. He's standing there looking at Jericho. Does he have faith that it can be done? Well, I'd say yes, because he and Caleb in the first uh, round came back with a positive report. The other ten had a bad report. They're gone. Joshua and Caleb have left. God chose them. And at the beginning of the book of Joshua, we read where God uh, officially uh, passed the mantle from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is in charge. Joshua is the general. And now this man is standing in, in his way. This man is standing in his way saying, are you, Joshua is saying, are you for me or against me? No, I'm not. You've asked the wrong question. Are you, Joshua, for or against me? And that's when he fell to his knees. He knew who he was facing. He had an encounter. Some scholars say that's Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, which proves that God can, if God wants to, act in history. It's not the first time. Moses, you know, it's, it's hard to do, but M Moses at the burning bush, Moses was encountering God. It was that part of the Godhead who came out and says, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. Sounds familiar. That was a long time ago. That was an encounter. You can't know me. If you see me face to face, you're going to die. No one can stand in front of God and live. It's too bright. He's too powerful. So that's what's happening at Joshua here. 
He's having an encounter with God. But probably a, a part of the Godhead, the conduit for the Trinity. I mean, we God in, in various ways. Uh, uh, Jacob uh, met God and he wrestled with God. That must have been fun. He lost. He won. Job saw God in a whirlwind or a tornado. He had an encounter with God. You can't have the face-to-face. -face. So if this man is not for Joshua, not against Joshua, and is telling me he's asked the wrong question, and Joshua falls on his knees, Joshua knows that this is God. He knows that God is leading the way. And this battle that has to be necessary to take back the promised land, because it was there to begin with, that's one thing to do. But Joshua's not going to do it. Caleb's not going to do it. Imagine, we know that Caleb was 85 years old. So we have to assume that uh, Joshua was roughly 80. So you've got this 80-year-old man who I'm saying he's facing Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. And after this, it goes away, just like in the previous uh, parts of the Bible. Some say it was an angel of the Lord. Well, an angel of the Lord is not the Lord. It's a messenger. There are some places in the Bible where it says the angel of the Lord. This is not one of them. But by what happened, you can tell who he is. So what I'm saying is that this war that's coming about, this horrible thing we read from Joshua 10, we listened to it at Joshua 10, was authorized by the Lord God. Joshua had an encounter. What's our encounter like? I'm not sure I ever had one. I remember when I was in high school. Uh, I, I just couldn't figure out things. And I figured, okay, by the time I by the time I'm the age I am, that everything would be figured out. And that the world would be fine and settled and everything. Because I, I said to God many times, you better have a good explanation for this. You know, I've been learning about the wars, the world wars. All kinds of wars. I want to know what's going on here. That might have been an encounter. He let me live. But I didn't have these same types of encounters. So when we go back to 1 John and listen to what John is saying about love, do we really know do we really know what love is? There's a the Beatles had a song about love. Do you remember that? If you're in my age group, you might. But even I had to write it down because I can't remember everything. Love, love, love. So I counted the loves, you know. Um, there are only two substantial verses in this whole song. Uh, all you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love, love, love. Love is all you need. Here is the... This, think about this as the person who might be listening to this. And given the time that this song was in the public, you can see how, at least in Western culture, in our culture, how things were beginning to change because we were more God-centered than we are now. Now we're becoming self-centered, okay? 
It says, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play in your time. Love, love, love. Uh, there are uh, uh, 40, 47 lo word loves in there. That's not love. It's empty. You can see where this is empty because it means that just the definition of love is coming out of myself with no basis. Unless the basis is God, and you understand who God is. If you've had an encounter with God, then I don't think we know what love is. There are people who have those encounters, not, not prophets, not saints of old, but there are people who, they may have joined the church, they may have signed all the documents, they have a baptism, and they're in the church, and that's good. But somewhere along the line, something happens. And you have this encounter with God. Do you know how big God really is? How big is God? God controls the universe through the second person of the Trinity. I think it was, let me find my little chart here for the Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He holds the universe this way. It's huge. So we need to get a grasp on the power and greatness and superiority and, and all the superlatives of God. We've got to grasp that to know who God is. It's not just His love. Everybody wants to talk about God's love. That's good. But if we, we can't take part of God's and leave the other way. You know, we go to God. We, God is love. Help me. Help me. I want that part of God. I, I don't need this power and other stuff here. If you're, if you're the God, help me. Well, that means you have an agenda. And, we, and, and you haven't fallen into God's agenda. God's agenda is obvious. We look at the history going back to the early days. So we go back to Joshua. Right there, ready to invade. It looks like an imperial invasion, but it's, this has been sanctified by God. This has been authorized by God. How come the man with the sword didn't strike Joshua? You let him go. It's another sign that it was supposed to happen. But it takes us back to Genesis 15. God promised Abram, I'll make you the father of many nations. Abram, well, how do I know you're going to do that? He said, cut the animals in half and make a path. So Abram cut them in half. And in the dark at night, God passes as smoke through the middle. 
This is the covenant. This is the covenant that God made. This is my promise. This is where God said, if I don't fulfill my promise, may I be cut to pieces. May I be thrown down. This is my promise. Do you see where that's leading? So Joshua knew. Joshua was doing what the Lord had had promised. After all of these years, all of these centuries, by the time Joshua gets to the gates of of Jericho. So what we have to learn is that love does not fear. We have our own challenges today, particularly the spiritual warfare challenge, the particular number one challenge with this uh, wokeness. This wokeness is anti-God. I don't know if you ever go to some of these websites that are those. It's anti-God, it's anti-Christians, anti-family. They want to break up the nuclear family. Total overthrow. This is spiritual warfare. So do we have any courage to fight this? Well, courage is going to come from God. It's not something you build up in yourself. God is love. God is love. Love comes from God. And what's that conduit? It's the second person of the Trinity. That's why he can, he can bring the God who is the, the Godhead can take his second person and make him a person, a human being, while still being divine, and dies for us for our sins, so that we can be with God, the whole Godhead. And we're in this life, in this church. Two Sundays ago, we celebrated Pentecost. We are the church. We are the assembly of God. We're not the kingdom. We're a representative of the kingdom. We're a conduit ourselves, but we represent uh, and we are an instrument of the kingdom. But you can see how God saves us. It's a whole story. So we don't need to ignore the Old Testament. Some do. Big mistake. So we have to be happy that these things happen. And as Joshua, the book of Joshua ends, uh, the land is conquered, as you know, and then there, the, the land is divided amongst the 12 tribes. And then life goes on then there are a new set of troubles to be <laughs> conquered. But our faith needs to be in God. We need to know not only the love of God, we need to know the power of God. And we need the power to God to, to live in us, that we understand who He is, so that we are encouraged to be witnesses to the faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we give You thanks that you gave us your son, your only son, Jesus Christ, to live as a human being and to walk this earth and to pay the price for us so that we can be with you. We pray that you give us the strength and courage to be witness and not shy away from the struggles that we face every day. And we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. 
We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.